The Start On Demand. On demand. We had a lot of fun today talking about Neighborhood Pride, the headline at CJOB.com. Where are you from? Individual neighborhoods, a source of pride for many Winnipeggers. So we had lots of fun talking about our favorite neighborhoods and trying to figure out where does one neighborhood end and another begin? Level red restrictions extended until January 8th, which means it is going to be a lonely holiday season for many Manitobans. Psychologist Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman joined us to help us navigate the level red loneliness. And restaurants, small shops... We've been talking about how to support them, but what about entertainment slash recreation facilities like Speed World? We'll tell you how you can support them. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation. He's back next week. And Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, December 9th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb. 419 this morning. I get about 17 weather notifications on my phone for all the various locations that I monitor over the summer for golf forecasts. And they all say special weather statement. And I think, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And? I know it's, look. Just don't say it then. Let's just pretend it's not happening. (laughs) Okay. Like, we we give out that information. And I know that's an important part of the job because we need to warn people and they need to be careful when it comes to driving and planning and how you dress, but we could just not say it. Well, I'll just say this. In our next segment, we have details from Environment Canada about a special weather statement. And I realize special weather statement doesn't mean... Uh, warning doesn't mean you know the apocalypse is nigh but it looks like this the the mild weather the the beautiful weather we've been enjoying could be coming to an end yeah tonight along with the green that might still be on your grass or at least the brownish green that still exists out there so yes we'll uh We'll have that special story after after 6.15. Let's just leave it with that. Okay, that's fair. And on, today, I'm really excited. I mean, I, I, obviously, we have lots to talk about, about the extended restrictions. And for a lot of people, those extended restrictions are horrible. But we are going to have some fun today because at globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg or cjob.com, we have a story with the headline, Where are you from? Individual neighborhoods, a source of pride for many Winnipeggers. This written by our colleague Sam Thompson. So we're going to have a lot of fun today talking about neighborhoods uh, because one of the funny things, Winnipeggers are finicky about their neighborhoods and the borders of their neighborhoods, right, Loren? Like uh, I remember one time it was Jeff Braun in the newsroom and and a former colleague. They both lived in Charleswood. And I said, hey, what... uh, is this, I can't remember what street it was, but I said, that's in Charleswood, right? And they jumped down my throat like I had just held a gun to their children's head. Jeff doesn't I'm, have kids, but. I, I know, it's the same. I remember, you know, in the news, if you get it wrong, particularly if it's a not necessarily flattering story and you name the neighborhood, like you say, um, East Kildonan and it's North Kildonan, or you mix those up or you say boroughs and it's not boroughs. Like people are really, they identify with very specific streets and neighborhoods. And it's not just North side of Winnipeg or South side. And I've learned that the hard way over the years, not having been born and raised in Winnipeg. I've lived in Winnipeg on and off over the years, but I didn't realize there was that, like that huge um, sense of pride in exactly where you come from to the point where even just a few years ago, I remember, remember saying to a friend of mine, 
I had met her through my son and I said, so where, where were you born? And she said, South St. Vital. And I was like, so Winnipeg? She's like, no. I was like, but yes. <laughs> like I, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing because people are so, uh, so, uh, is it, is it even pride? Is it, it's almost like a defense that goes up if you get it wrong. Oh, I, well, the defense, I hear you on the defense because I used to, I grew up in Transcona and I was, used to be like ferociously defensive, almost maniacal about it because people like to take shots at Transcona, right? And I, right. I, I think a lot of time, most of the time it's just playful, but I used to take it really deeply personally to the point where like I remember dating somebody about 15 years ago and she had to pull me aside and said look if any of these guys makes a joke about Transcona I just need you to bite your tongue (laughs) because I don't need you losing your mind over what's really just a joke and I've eventually calmed down over the years but uh, yeah I used to get super defensive about that but another thing that bugs me about neighborhoods is I don't know like a definitive way or a spot in which you can find like the definition of a neighborhood. Like what are the borders of a neighborhood? There's no single like map location because you can look up Winnipeg neighborhood map, but you'll get the city wards or the provincial wards or, or like there's no spot where you can just say, this is, this is the border of no. The North you End. To, you have to kind of like go to the masses or go to the people for that consensus, right? Okay, so this incident happened here. Everybody, I'm going to call that uh, Old St. Vital or St. Boniface. And then someone will jump and say, well, actually. And then you'll go look at the map together. And then as long as there's, you know, like this majority rules thing going on, then you feel comfortable saying it. But it's still not necessarily correct. And what I'd love to know from people, I've lived in different cities over the years, is that do you think this is kind of a Winnipeg thing? Like, is it just in Winnipeg that we're so... Uh, defensive and so full of pride with our neighborhoods or does that exist in a lot of other cities? Yeah, that's a great question because I've only ever lived in Winnipeg so I have no idea what that's like. I do know that we have had a number of people come to work here through the years and they have remarked that this, you know, I I realize I got to get this neighborhood right because if I say this, say this street is in the the wrong neighborhood, then the phone will ring. They'll say, that's not, hey, that's not in uh, North Kildona and that's in whatever, or that's not in Transcona. Oh, come on, that's River Easter. And I've I've lived here my whole life and there are certain neighborhoods I still don't even know what to call them. So we're, I'm excited to speak to a historian. We've got a historian from the University of Manitoba coming on at 7.05 and at 6.45 we're going to talk more about the favorite neighborhood in which you've lived you can text us by the way 204-780-6868 yeah and, we already have someone brett uh, yeah, like I've, north end i'm from the north end and i hate it when people call it scotia heights or the north inkster area fair right because there's different there's different parts of your neighborhood you want to you're if you're from the north end you want to say that with pride and you don't want to get lumped in with someone else okay well and, and when people often too when people get that specific it could be because they don't know like is Sco- is scotia heights actually in the north end like here i'll just throw one out for example um i you know being from transcona i just assumed that everything west like from polo park on was saint james but does saint james go like does that go right to the edge of the city does saint james include westwood and crestview or are those all separate entities I don't know. You're asking the wrong girl. <laughs> I thought it was all Winnipeg, my friend. And I have learned that <laughs> lesson over and over again that it is not. So I don't get it. I'm from a small town. Are you from the farm or do you live in town? Farm. Great. That's the story. That's how that goes. <laughs> 
We knew the restrictions that we are currently under would likely be extended, but uh, I'm not sure if that made hearing that announcement any easier, Loren. Yeah, I think we all knew that this is where this was going, right? Our numbers are still high, and the Premier has hinted at it, Rusin has hinted at it, and so we knew this is where we were going. But I have to say, like, if, if you had asked me in March that we would still be living like this in December... I think my answer would have been no. And and honestly, even at Thanksgiving, I remember coming on air after Thanksgiving and saying to you guys, I don't want to do another holiday like this again, where I'm so worried about who I can or cannot see and how to get it done and, and just changing so many aspects of what something I love and making it harder. And yet here we are. Brett, I, I don't know. Were you surprised or just sort of resigned that this was coming? Uh, I wasn't surprised. I, I was... I guess I was hoping that they they would make some changes. I was I knew that they I expected the restrictions to continue, but uh, I was hoping for some modifications. And and I feel I think the thing that for me that I feel really guilty about is the first thing I thought of. I feel so selfish with this, is that uh, I have to wait <laughs> to get my haircut. Like yesterday was I was scheduled would have been my next scheduled haircut. And my barber texted me yesterday morning to say my next appointment is January 5, fingers crossed. And then a couple hours later, they made the announcement. And then he texts me again and he says, now it's February 3rd. So that's almost three months without a haircut. And I realize that is not a big deal. But that's just, you know, these are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of ways that we're affected by this stuff. Uh, But uh, yeah, I was actually listening to the news conference while sitting in the parking lot outside of Joe Aiello's restaurant, Frankie's, eating my food like an animal. I thought about driving it home, and then I thought, no, I'm just going to eat it in the car because I'm starving, because I couldn't go in to eat it, right? And I'm not going to be able to break bread with anybody in a restaurant until at least January 8th. No restaurants. There's no haircuts on the on the agenda. And it's not selfish. I think these are all the little things that we think of in terms of our way our lives have been impacted, right? And and small businesses that are struggling and people who don't have their jobs. And I kept thinking about all the people who who live alone and many of our seniors who just, what are we going to do to make sure they get through this, right? And so you mentioned January 8th. Well, that's the new target date that we're eyeing. And there were some tweaks to the restrictions, which we'll get into in a moment, but for the most part, nothing changes. And so for many people, that's going to be really, really hard. There's no changes for the businesses who sell non-essentials. There's no changes to gathering sizes, no changes to the order asking us to stick with members of our household only. And we know why this is happening, Brett. It's of course to protect the most vulnerable because this virus has already killed 420 Manitobans. But with the province extending these measures now, 2020 is going to go down as one really lonely year for so many of us. And Global's Joe Scarpelli walks us through our holiday season. Manitoba's premier says the best present you can give this year is to not be present. This holiday season, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be lonely for many. Current public health orders that were set to expire this week have been extended to January 8th. That includes keeping private indoor gatherings restricted to household members only for Christmas, Hanukkah, and New Year's. Here's why. Because they're working. There are some exceptions for people who live alone to have one designated visitor, but there are no exceptions for anyone looking to poke holes in the orders. Manitoba's top doctor says having no guests over... (laughs) means just that. 
not even outside. You couldn't have uh, people over uh, that uh, are not uh, household members in your garage. You couldn't have them in, uh, in the back for a fire. The Premier admits the last few weeks have been tough and the next few will be too. Some short-term pain, for sure, through these holidays. But the long-term gain is worth it because we can be together next year and we'll have something to really celebrate. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. How are you feeling about this? Will it change the way you celebrate? Here's what some of you had to say. Everyone's kind of busy with their lives, and it's a bit of a shame that we can't see each other over the holidays. But hopefully with the uh, when the quarantine does end, we can all meet up again. If you have to make precautions, you have to make do. Like, I won't be seeing my mom or my boyfriend probably during the holidays because of the restrictions. So I think if you give up Christmas plans for a year and you bring down all the numbers, I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and I get it. That's the perspective, right? Like it's it's one one celebration, but that's what you're just hoping and you're worried that this just keeps going and going. That's what is in my mind right now about how this timeline does. There is no timeline. It just keeps shifting and changing. And so that makes it hard. Hanukkah uh, starts tomorrow night. So celebrations change for people who may have had plans there. And of course, Christmas in a couple weeks and this New Year's Eve plans, well, they're out the window. Uh, but there is some good news, Brett. The Winter Wonderland, we've been playing in our news run with Jeff Braun at the Red River X. It's meeting with government officials actually today to see if it can open that big drive-through light display that it has because the province has said drive-in services, church services, are a go. And so now the Winter Wonderland is wondering if that means it can be a go too. And this announcement is actually kind of one of the, the big shifts because it was just a few days ago that a Winnipeg Church Springs Church actually went to court over that public health order. And now health officials say, carry on. We're going to watch this very closely. Um, and if uh, adherence isn't isn't good to the orders, then we could uh, change course on that. But, uh, you know, we had those very strict measures in place. We wanted to provide something. We've listened to Manitobans, and uh, this had been in the uh, uh, on the deliberations for a, for a while. Now, we've talked repeatedly about how hard this is for businesses, particularly small businesses who sell non-essentials. Lauren Remillard is the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chambers of Commerce. Uh, we had put forward a number of recommendations that respected the public health imperative, but still allowed retailers uh, a modicum of ability to operate, for example, by appointment only. You know, we have a number of jewelers that, you know, have very established clientele that they could easily say, we're going to set up appointments, you know, one person in the store even at a time uh, that was feasible while still respecting the public health order. But in the end, we do acknowledge and respect that the health imperative is the first and foremost imperative. And coming up at 9.05, we are going to speak to another Winnipeg business because, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about small retail outlets or restaurants. But what about businesses that simply can't offer any services right now? Entertainment facilities, recreation facilities. We're going to speak to Speed World, the indoor uh, go-kart track, because they have to shut their doors and they, they can't offer anything. So how do you support a business like that? Well, it turns out you can still buy gift cards for a place like that. There are a lot of places like that, like Escape Rooms, Enigma Escape, or that uh, Activate place where you can go, it's, where it's like a live video game. All kinds of places like this throughout the city of Winnipeg that simply have to remain shut uh, for now they still got to pay. They still have to pay for their they pay their rent and pay their insurance. So we'll get into that at 9.05. But uh, yeah, Loren, I'm just thinking if I have to wait until February 3rd to get my hair cut, uh, I may end up having to take, I already told my barber, I apologize now if I do something foolish in the meantime with a set of clippers. 
uh, you know what? Maybe we should all just do that and have some fun with this. Like, share with us your terrible haircuts again. We did that back in the spring, right? I forever go to the kitchen scissors, even when there is no pandemic in my and my stylist is always like, you did it again, right? To your bangs. And I'm like, yeah, they're for green onions. They're for opening packages. And they're also for cutting my hair. So you know what? Uh, Jean just texted in to say, it's, you're right. It's not being selfish to think about having to wait a haircut or anything else. She says, everyone's feeling this in different ways. Feel your feels. Don't push them down. Feel them in hope of getting past them. And, I, and I'd love to hear from more Winnipeggers on ways that they're trying to feel those feels and get through this. Because we have to be honest with one another. Whether it's a haircut or your job you're stressed about or your kids or recreation activities and, and no sports coming back. There's all sorts of ways to be happy and sad and mad. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. The headline at CJOB.com. Where are you from? Individual neighborhoods, a source of pride for many Winnipeggers. After 7 o'clock, we're going to talk to a historian about this. But right now, we want to gather the troops and ask the question, what's your favorite neighborhood? We've got Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Producer Sky in for Jeff Fortier. Why don't we start with you, Producer Sky? What's your favorite neighborhood? Well, I'm a Garden City gal myself. Yeah. So we'll stick with that. Is that what do you live in Garden City? I do. I live I live and grew up there. Actually I grew up in the Maples. Is that different? I, again, <laughs> I've always wondered, is is the Maples a, a pocket of Garden City? I just say it's all the north end, but some earlier texter said that's offensive, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I guess if someone knows the specifics on that, like the Maples could just be a subdivision of Garden City. I don't know. Jeff Braun, we know you grew up in Altona. But uh, what's yep. your favorite neighborhood? Well, I live in Charleswood now, and I've been here for a decade, and I really, really like Charleswood. So I would, I would. That's that's my answer today. I like that it's quiet as far as city living goes. It's also close to the edge of the city, so in uh, less than five, fewer than five minutes, I can be out in the country, which I I like. I go actually since this pandemic began. Most weeks, I'll go for a long drive out in the country at some point just to get a change of scenery. But, of course, the wildlife, the deer that roam freely in Charleswood uh, have become a real big draw for me this year because I've been going on a lot of walks and I've actually been watching this one deer family, a mama and two baby deers, and I've just been watching the babies grow up from uh, just newborns in the spring, and now they're getting, you know, big enough to handle the winter kind of thing. And I see them almost every single day. I'd say probably five days a week I see them, and it's been fun watching them grow. Right on. What about you, Kelly Moore? Well, in our first go-round in Winnipeg, we lived about four blocks away from where Jeff Braun is. So when we found out where Brauner was living when we moved back, we decided to go to the extreme (laughs) opposite corner of the city to be as far away as possible. So uh, we're now in Canterbury Park. And and, and quite frankly, and I know this is going to be kind of vanilla, but... Uh, I think a neighborhood is what you make of it. And uh, we certainly uh, have enjoyed uh, our time uh, since we've returned to Winnipeg. And we also absolutely loved where we were uh, on Savoy Crescent and Charleswood, uh, uh, you know, from 94 through 2006. Uh, I just I just think that Winnipeg is the kind of city and has the kind of people, and, and I'm going to get a little maudlin here, but uh, I, I just think it, it's, it's an area that uh, allows you to enjoy wherever you live. Wow, that is quite philosophical, Kelly. Well done, sir. Loren McNabb, what about you? 
Well, picking up on that, really sometimes too, is about your neighbors, not just your neighborhood. So I don't, I live in a small town south of Winnipeg, but we've talked before about moving and it's our neighbors that keep us here. We just love them so much. They're all so great. You can borrow things, hang out, have fun. They're just, just really great crew. So yeah, sometimes it's about the people that are around you. But for me, um, one of my favorite neighborhoods that I've lived in, uh, was a few years ago, um, just off Corden. And I don't know if that would be, it was Corden, uh, sorry, it was Stafford and Jesse. So Jesse's just one block south of Corden. And I don't know if I just always called it, I live on Corden. And I, is that River Heights then? Well, not yet. Well, I, I'm seeing th- this is the thing. I just looked up Crescentwood um, to see where that f- follows up. But yeah, they, they like when you look at the map, it'll sort of give a little neighborhood area. Like it says Macmillan, Little Italy, Corden, uh, right where you are, where, where that would have been. Uh, it could either be classified as Corden, Earl Grey, or Rockwood. I'm not entirely sure. Mm. So I think River Heights is the blanket for that whole for like a bigger area and then like there's the sub subset to that yeah like kelly for example mentioned canterbury park which is in transcona transcona yeah yes yeah for me it's uh so i've lived i grew up in transcona and i feel almost uh, like i'm like i'm being blasphemous saying transcona is not my favorite <laughs> of course it will always be home but i've lived uh you know i've lived in the west end and i've lived in saint vitale i've lived in osborne village now now that my second go around and i lived at uh, cordon and harrow i think that was probably my favorite spot cordon and harrow because you're kind of right in the middle of like i can walk to osborne village i can walk up cordon through the cordon village i can go to wellington crescent along the river i can just wander through river heights which i love i think it's it's such a beautiful old neighborhood with all the old trees. Um, so, yeah. So, it's that Earl Grey, Rockwood, Crescentwood, Hitman Wood. <laughs> I like that. Hitman Wood. <laughs> That's, that can be the name of, of my walking route. We'll just call that there the Hitman go. Wood. <laughs> so, text us at 204-780-6868. What's your favorite neighborhood? And is there perhaps a rivalry? Kelly actually pointed to uh, an existing rivalry, Transcona and Charleswood. I think uh, I think there's a bit of a rivalry there. Uh, <laughs> really? You yeah. Think so? Yeah. Just well, like the outliers. We're on the edge of the city, so we'll I think, hit the I think, other edge of the city. I think a lot of neighborhoods actually have rivalries with Transcona, just because so many neighborhoods hate <laughs> Transcona. St. James and, uh, and Transcona, St. Patel, I know uh, because of the football teams, you know, the Transcona Nationals versus all yeah. the teams. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Don't forget to text us at 204-780-6868 your Santa disaster stories for your chance to qualify for Wake Up Santa, which features a grand prize from Sleep Country. As well, uh, we are going to speak to our psychologist friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, just after 7.30, Loren, on the subject of the extended restrictions and now it's going to be lonely for many and we've gotten a lot of feedback on the text line this morning yeah so much about just how people are feeling and also just some of that anger so first of all diana texted to say that the eternal optimist in me was not realistically optimist optimistic but the announcement of the extended restrictions brought tears to my eyes yesterday and i think there was a lot of people who felt that just because you knew it was coming doesn't mean it it you were ready for it right and and then there's Thoughts from those like Curtis who texted to say, I really don't agree with allowing NHL training camp. I can't see my family or get a haircut, but training camp is safe. Get real, Curtis texts. And there are a lot of sentiments like that this morning as well. Brett, some of it is a bit of that anger. And I think the difference there is 
and I'm not defending why they allow this to go ahead or not, but you know, the Jets have the money and the resources to test their players and, and ensure all sorts of different public health practices every single day that, that, that those resources don't exist elsewhere. So that's part of the reason why I'm going to guess, but I get it. There's anger out there, there's frustration, and there is that sadness and, and, We'll get more into that after 7.30. Yeah, and Dr. Rusin also pointed out as well the benefit of having the Jets play is right. just provides us with something to look forward to. So there's a, another counterpoint. Again, I, I'm not entirely... I'm, I haven't decided how I feel about the, the Jets situation yet, but you can weigh in on... Any of it, 204-780-6868. And as you have been weighing in on this next topic, we've been talking about our love and pride in our neighborhoods this morning. A chat inspired by a story written by our colleague Sam Thompson. Where are you from? Individual neighborhoods, a source of pride for many Winnipeggers. Yeah, you can find that story on globalnews.ca and cjob.com, and it's a fantastic one, and it's it's eliciting a ton of feedback, like Dwayne, who texted to say, Good morning, guys. Norwood is where I grew up, not St. B. LOL. The border is St. Mary's Road and Lindale Drive. Great place to grow up. People get very specific, and we wanted to figure out how this all began. So Gerald Friesen is a historian and professor at the U of M and joins us now. Good morning, Gerald. Good morning. What neighborhood did we find you in this morning? Wolseley. Wolseley, okay. So that's one of many neighborhoods that have been mentioned this morning by our listeners. But we really want to know how this all started. Like, why why is it not just north and south and west Winnipeg? How did we get so specific? (laughs) Well, it can go back 150 years, probably, when they started to have churches with parishes in this city. uh, And churches became one of those basic meeting gathering places that set up a neighborhood. And then it grew and and grew and grew. And now, if you think about it, everybody who goes to uh, has a family in a school, everybody who goes to particular local stores, has a community club and a team, a playground, they all establish a place of meeting. And, of course, they all sort of have boundaries. So that that guy from Norwood, for example, he knows the boundaries, even if they're not sitting there on the ground. Well, and that, that's what I wanted to ask you about was the boundaries, because depending on what definition of a neighborhood you're looking at, you can get different boundaries, right? Like, because you, you might get the political ward for the province, or you might get the, the city ward. So where does one figure out what the boundaries of a particular neighborhood are, or can that be figured out? Well, there are the fixed lines, of course, political constituency and that sort of thing, school uh, attendance but uh, I think it comes from feeling it's it's actually knowing some people and then deciding eventually that they're the ones you're going to meet with regularly and happening to do so and then you actually get character and so that guy again uh, who talks about Norwood or when I talk about Wolseley there's actually an image that has developed around the people who live there you know Wolseley I, I think is always you know the the price of brown rice has gone up. There's a crisis. That, that kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Sorry. I, that caught me off guard, but I like it. Wolsey, you guys are fun. Well, well, Gerald, it talks about there's an identity that you might connect. This might be how you just you connect with your neighborhood, and you mentioned Wolseley. And then there's also just um, the fact that there's older and newer ones, too. And so the newer ones try to get in the game with the love of their neighborhood. I'm thinking, for example, of Sage Creek, you know, just wasn't even there 
15 right. years ago, but people might identify with that over the years. And then there's older neighborhoods, like uh, in this article, you talked about uh, Fort White, and it was a battle over what? A battle over a railway track. That's right. And, and therefore, you get a name, and then there's a pattern that develops with the housing. You're absolutely right. Uh, so Fort White, uh, this goes back 150 years, but the CPR had gone through, and then another railway tried to go across the CPR to head north on the north side of the Assiniboine, and the CPR said, you're not going across my track, and they put a dead locomotive right on where the track was going to meet, and that was the Battle of Fort White, because the man who did the, put the locomotive there was named White. And so all of a sudden, Fort White has a name, and then slowly but surely over the years, Fort White becomes a place, just like that. McGarry and McNabb Mackling back next week. We're talking neighborhood pride with... Historian Gerald Friesen, historian and professor at the University of Manitoba. And thanks for sticking with us, Gerald, as we talk about uh, neighborhood pride and neighborhoods. Um, now, if someone gets wants to have a debate with someone and someone says, well, isn't that in, say, Transcona? And someone says, no, that's North Kildonan. Is there a way to, you talked about a feel, but is there a way to settle that debate? Well, in a way, there is. History would be the best way. Uh, you know, when you think about Transcona, it was created for the shops of a Transcontinental Railway uh, around 1900 to 1910. Uh, Kildonan goes back another 60 years when the Kildonan Church was created uh, around a Selkirk settlement that went back another 30 years. And so, yes, you could look at the parish of Kildonan, and the area that the railway acquired in order to develop a housing suburb and say, okay, there's a boundary, but nobody's going to believe it in 2020. Uh, you know, we, we, we decide where we live now and because we're driving and because of the schools and the churches and so on. I think we'll just have to have you on speed dial, Gerald. We'll just call you up when that fight <laughs> happens in the newsroom. And we'll be like, hang on, somebody get Gerald on the phone to settle this. But in the meantime, we've been wondering, too, you know, I've lived in a lot of different cities. And I, and I think this neighborhood thing isn't just a Winnipeg thing. But I do feel Winnipeggers are very defensive when it comes to those border lines. So is this normal? Does this happen in other markets, other cities? Absolutely. It, it's, it's a perfectly normal event. In fact, you've heard about it in cities like New York with the gangs. They know where the boundaries are. Uh, anyway, for Winnipeg, it, it's a, a little different because, of course, there's ethnic backgrounds to so many of these communities that change over time. I mean, Wolseley, back to where I live, started out as English and Scots. After World War II, there was an influx of people who came from Europe uh, after the war as refugees, all these big houses that they could put several families in, uh, and now it's changed again. As I said earlier, it's become a brown rice neighborhood. And we had a text message from somebody who says, back 40 years ago when I was growing up, uh, River Heights, I was growing up in River Heights, but it was seen as the one of the very desired areas of town, and it kind of put you in a category. So I was actually quick to distance myself because I didn't want to be seen that way. Anything, anything to that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, River Heights started out as uh, that kind of desirable neighborhood. The, the lots are bigger, uh, the streets are a little bit wider, and uh, the, the houses themselves, uh, as you well know probably, uh, are, are bigger. 
And so, yes, it was seen as privileged. Our kids uh, wanted to go to school over there. But no, over there, we've got lots of schools in Wolseley. We've got, let me think, three, four public schools, two high schools. And so that becomes the gathering point and defines for those kids. And they, those who stay know darn well where they're living. It's fascinating to take a look at what the history is behind these neighborhoods and to know that uh, we're normal, so we appreciate it. You're very welcome. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid. Helping Manitobans get out of debt since 19... 19- 92, visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Looking at the results from yesterday's question at cjob.com, will you take the COVID-19 vaccine when it's available? 56% say yes, 25% say no way, and 19% say not sure. Uh, Different result on Twitter where 71% said yes, 18% not sure, 11% no way. We will get a new question of the day for you soon at cjob.com. Also a reminder to text us your Santa disaster stories, a time when Santa made a boo-boo for your chance to qualify for Wake Up Santa. This is a Sleep Country prize we're giving away on Monday. Grand prize consists of two wool pillows, Queen Bloom Performance Sheet Set, Queen Field Crest Luxury Line Duvet Cover Set, and Lavender Spray. Kevin texting us. My Santa story was about 20 years ago. We were at a huge family Christmas gathering, and I was nominated to be Santa for this night. This, of course, after about 10 rum and cokes. All well until my great auntie sat on Santa's knee. She was in her mid-80s. Great auntie and Santa almost fell backwards, but disaster was averted when fellow family members grabbed us to avoid said disaster. I am no more the family Santa. Yeah, got fired. I get it. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of our Santa, bad Santa errors might have been... um, Alcohol? Easily fixed if we just, yes, get rid of that bottle. I feel <laughs> like that's the, the running theme here. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Hey, what are we doing at 8.07, Loren? Well, I'm really excited about this interview because I think there's so many of us who are looking for a bit of hope right now and also looking for ways to help. And so I was texting with a Steinbeck woman last night who's got a great idea of uh, ways to reach out. Her campaign is called Send Letters for the Lonely and how it started is just a wonderful little story. So if you're looking for ways to, to maybe reach out to even strangers, you're looking for ways to, to find some love in this kind of trying times, then stay tuned for 8.07. And with the restrictions being extended, the Premier acknowledging this, look, I get it, it's going to be a lonely time. We thought we would turn to our friend, psychologist, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, who joins us from time to time. It's been a while since we've spoken to you, Raymond. Welcome back, sir. It's been a long time. 2020 has been rough. It has been rough, and it's going to be a rough month for a lot of people. I mean, just using me as an example, December tends to be, I've said before, I think October is my favorite month overall, but December is my favorite month in terms of social gatherings because every Friday and Saturday tends to be booked up like before November even starts. And it usually gets kicked off which what with what would have been our company Christmas party this past Friday at mm-hmm. Bailey's. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen and nothing's going to happen for the rest of the month. So that's going to be a daunting task, I think, for a lot of people to head into the holiday season and not be able to see any of their loved ones, really. Yes, Absolutely. 
um, this is a really challenging time, but I think what we need to recognize as we move into this COVID Christmas um, is that generally speaking, there's a high degree or large number of people who are struggling with loneliness during this time. Anyhow, uh, pre-COVID, the research found that about 36% of people struggled embarrassingly with, and their term embarrassingly, with loneliness during this time of the year. And now it's a time where many of us are actually experiencing, and to me it speaks to to me, it speaks to what we were missing over the course of the year, you know, where so much of us will place our emphasis and look forward to the social gatherings, as you said, Brett, you know, at this time of the year. Could we spread that around over the year? Yeah, perhaps, you know, we've all we've talked about all the ways that we've changed and, and things that we've learned about ourselves or things that we've learned about others in this pandemic. And maybe your point is we, we do put a lot of our eggs in the December basket when it comes to just our ability to socialize and get out there. And so the coming out of this, perhaps that's a way to, to spread the cheer. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the idea here is that, you know, for those, for those who acknowledge Christmas and the holidays and what's often referred to as the Christmas spirit. I mean, the sentiment here is ultimately that, there's a sense of connection with people and humanity. And so why save that for just a single part of the year? What it does is it creates this unfortunate expectation that we must all have these connections at this time of the year, that we must have this normal Rockwell-type Christmas or this holiday season, be it whether you celebrate Christmas or whether you don't, whether it's important to you or not, whether you're single or where you have a large family, the expectation tends to be exceedingly high. And I think when we set up those expectations that way, and it's only during that one, when we only have that one time, we set ourselves up for failure and people are bound to feel lonely. Well, and that's fair. I mean, and I, because, you know, I'm a single guy, I live on my own. I, I'm available at any time of the year and I, I try to get out uh, and socialize throughout the year. But I think the what ends up happening is for a lot of my friends who have families who are busy with their families, Christmas is almost like it. It's almost like an excuse to get out and see some friends. So in that sense, you know, I live alone, so I'm going to be lonely. But it could also be for people with families who have been I hate to put it this way, who've been stuck inside with their families for the last nine months now can't even go out and enjoy those Christmas traditions with their friends. It's true. Well, COVID has, has really put a lot of weight and uh, I would say on any systems, including families and social relationships and the cracks are beginning to show. And I think people were probably really looking forward to finding a way to get together with people. And this has been a really difficult time. To lose something that means so much to people can be incredibly difficult. So what we what we need to consider is not just what we do for the coming year, but how do we cope during this time? And I say to people that now is the time to be creative. COVID has taught us that we have to learn to do things in different ways. And we've done so many things in different ways. So many people are working from home. Uh, you know, meetings are done through Zoom. We're shopping online. We're now trying to support more local businesses. We've all now been more mindful about how we live our lives and how we engage with each other. And we need to apply that creativity that we've had over the course of this year with COVID to this time of the year as well, too. How do I find the reserves for that, Raymond? Because we got creative with school in March and April yeah. and May and June, right? And then we had a yeah. bit of a reprieve, but then we got creative with the back to school and we did different things for Halloween. Many people chose to keep their kids home and so they did more 
things for Halloween. We've got creative with the kids' birthdays because kids can't have birthday parties. And so part of me is sitting here thinking, you know, I don't, I, I am going to have to real, dig, personally dig really deep and then we'll yeah. do it and I'll do it. But, you know, the energy yeah. is almost sap. So wh- where do we go? Where do we turn? How do we, how do we get that? moving so that we can be creative it's exhausting quite frankly yes yeah well i think when we think when we say we need to be creative somehow we think we need to up the bar somehow we think we need to live up to an expectation you know of what it like we're trying to compete with ourselves and with other people being creative and thinking outside of the box sometimes means getting simpler it doesn't always mean that we need to get bigger and so being creative might be you know having a really quiet holiday season, you know, making sure Hanukkah is simple or Christmas is, you know, you know, no gift Christmas. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's the new creative thing. Maybe it's about writing letters to each other. You know, maybe that's what we focus on. So we, I think what we do when we, how we find the reserves is trying to redefine what we mean by creative. I think we keep trying to find it a more unique and lavish way technology things and i don't think that's our solution what about the the growing anger i mean obviously frustrations continue to mount and anger continues to mount the uh, the church drive-in stuff uh the level of anger that we've seen on our text line for example is through mm-hmm. the roof um so you know there's clearly a growing sense of just frustration and anger as this goes on and now that you compound it with the the holiday season how what would you say to somebody who's feeling really mad well um i think we should say that we expected this like we are like we need to know we're in the middle of a pandemic and when we're in the middle of a pandemic that's a global pandemic and it's lasted this long the impact is not just going to be on our physical health it's also going to be on our emotional health and if we somehow expect ourselves to survive this without experiencing all these emotions and don't leave room for those emotions they're going to get much bigger like if I tell you right now, don't think of a pink elephant. The first thing you think of is a pink elephant. And our emotions are the exact same way. If we keep trying to shut it down and think to ourselves that this is not how we should be experiencing and shaming ourselves for having these feelings, they actually get a little bit larger, actually get a lot larger. But if we're actually able to go, look, this is how I feel and this is why I'm feeling it, and give ourselves time to have those feelings, they actually gradually dissipate. And they don't take up as much. They don't take up as much space, and that allows us to go back to thinking more creatively and out of the box, because we can utilize more of our thinking and our our rational mind uh, when we're feeling less emotional. People's emotions are really high right now, and that includes some feelings of anger that many people are having. And I know we've talked in the past about healthy outlets to get to get rid of. Uh, you know, if you're sad, a good cry sometimes feels fantastic right is there is there a way to exercise something healthy when when you have that those feelings of anger and you're frustrated without raging on someone else what can you do with those emotions well i think you should talk about them first with people i think most people turn immediately to an outward source i mean now we live in a culture where i mean even the president of the united states responds with anger immediately on tweets right we go straight to social media and we don't stop to process that emotion before we actually get it out there in public. Um, and that can sometimes lead to a lot of other public difficulties. So uh, I think talking about them with people in our lives, uh, finding people that we can communicate that with, uh, can sometimes help us sort that out and come to a conclusion without needing to uh, resort to a public display. It doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it publicly, but I think 
it allows us to process that in a better way first. Well, and actually, before we let you go, Raymond, I'm glad you touched on social media, because one of the things that I've been seeing a lot on social media feeds, and one of our listeners texted us yesterday, I think, saying they actually just outright deleted their social media, and they went through uh, withdrawal for about three weeks, and now they feel much better. But is uh, even the act of taking a break, like saying, okay, I'm going to not go on social media for seven days, uh, is there a benefit to that? Absolutely. Um, the, like, the media is doing its job of keeping us informed. But if that's the only thing we're paying attention to, our emotions are going to be reflective of the tension we feel with the news that we're seeing. And so by watching that on a regular basis, social media or otherwise, uh, our, media, our, our emotions are going to be less in check. And I think it's time that we need to turn inwards instead of outwards and allow ourselves to some time to have a break from that, to focus on what we need to do uh, and enjoying our, and our own company, and then periodically checking in with media. And so it doesn't mean that we need to completely banish it, but we certainly do need to limit it. Hey, before we let you go, can we, uh, can we ambush you with the neighborhood question, Raymond? We're talking this morning about sure. our favorite uh, neighborhoods in which we've lived. What's your favorite neighborhood that you've lived in? Oh, oh my favorite neighborhood. That's a good question. Uh, you know, my favorite neighborhood was probably when I was a kid uh, in Fort Gary. Um, I was a new immigrant to Canada at the time, and it was just so great to get to know people from broad walks of life. Um, I'd say that was probably my favorite neighborhood of all time, and, I, and mostly because it just made me feel so at home when I was so new. What a great way to put it, Raymond, and that's a great spot to leave it. Thank you so much for your time, buddy. We love chatting with you, uh, and we miss you. Hopefully we can have you in studio one day in the next year. <laughs> next year. Right. I've, I've been pitching your smiling face this entire time, so I'm just well, pretending right. like you're here anyway, Raymond. I appreciate it. Maybe, maybe we'll do COVID shots. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for joining us. He is a psychologist with Clinic Psychology Manitoba. And before we go here, Loren, we are getting just inundated with feedback on the neighborhood comment or question at 204-780-6868. Yeah, someone just now said, I grew up in EK. We lived on Larchdale and Fraser's Grove Park was our back door to bog and slide in the winter skating rink. And of course, summer, there was the river, old trees, hugging the banks, missed the old days. Take care. That's from Lori in River Hills. Is River Hills another neighborhood I don't know about? I don't know. I've never heard of that. a town? <laughs> oh, boy, Lori, you just threw me for a loop because I thought this was going to be an EK East Kildonan text, but also always abbreviated. I love it, Lori. I, I need to know. I'm oh, Googling now. There is a River Hills, Manitoba. It's a small town on the White Mouth River in the rural municipality of White Mouth, located in southeastern Manitoba. Well, there you go. So either it's River Hills, Manitoba, or it's a, some sort of a typo for River Heights. I'm going to guess that she meant to type River Hills, though. Lori, thanks for that. Maybe that could be a small town salute for us one day. Gary and McNabb, Mackling, back next week. Just want to read two quick text messages, one on the subject of neighborhoods, because we're asking you for your favorite neighborhoods. And this listener says, Hey, brother, Logan slash Weston Road, Notre Dame, Key Wayton, straight out of Weston. 
Greatest place growing up, other than Brooklyn's being so close, great memories. Go Wildcats. Great time in the 60s and 70s. We even have our own Facebook page, LOL passionate bunch lots of winnipeg history there so thank you for that and i appreciate because i said well how do you define the borders of weston so i said logan weston road notre dame kiwaitan go wildcats so thank you for that and just want to read a santa disaster because we're asking you to text us santa disasters so you can qualify for wake up santa grand prize from sleep country giving it away on monday liz says my santa disaster i'd say if it was for our kids When my husband had to go to work for midnight Christmas Eve until noon Christmas Day, I made the kids wait for Daddy to get home to open their presents. When they heard the door open, life was so exciting. But for about an hour, they had to be quiet because Daddy had to go to sleep. (laughs) So then it became a disaster for Mommy. So, Liz, thank you for that. Oh, that has to be hard. That's hard for the kids. You know, you always say every year, do not wake up early. There's no need to wake up early, but they do. And then if you have to wait even longer, that's a long day. I remember being told we could wake up at 6 a.m. and I woke up at 5. (laughs) And it felt like a year passed between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. When you're a kid and you're you're told you got to wait, it's the worst. But that's the fun of Christmas. But hey, we've been talking this morning about how challenging this holiday season is going to be for so many Manitobans. But we've also been warmed by just how many of you are trying to help alleviate some of that loneliness being felt by thousands. Yeah, and that brings us to our next guest. Her name is Carla Ann Coroy, and her idea is to get as many letters to the lonely as possible. And that's actually what her campaign is called, Letters to the Lonely. And she joins us now. Good morning, Carla Ann. Good morning. So take us back to where this all started. What prompted this decision to start getting people writing? Well, it started actually with my own uh, frustration with feeling like I wanted to reach out and do something. And um, I know I have elderly parents and with some health challenges and there's so many around us and we're just, we're not supposed to be visiting. We're not supposed to be getting together. And I was just feeling really handicapped. What can I do? Normally, I'd like to go visit or I'd like to go sing or things like that, have people over. But, of course, we can't do that. So just really spending some time also wanting to deal with my own anxiety and wanting to take action and not just feel like I'm sitting by myself getting even more down. And so what I, I you know, spent some time in my room thinking and praying and thought, I wonder if it would be okay to send letters. So I contacted a few people that are involved with seniors' homes or long care facilities, long-term care facilities and asked them, like, would this be okay? Would you allow this? And they're like, absolutely. Our people would love that. And so I thought, okay, I'll get started. And then I texted one of them back and I said, well, how, how many people would that be? And there, that one facility was over 150. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I cannot do this by myself. So that's when I started posting it on social media. And then started recruiting help because there's no way I can reach every lonely senior citizen this winter by myself. There's just no way I can do it alone. So then if somebody wants to get involved and help out, like how, how does it work? Oh, it's like super easy. Someone can either write the letter. Uh, ideally, that would be super if someone could write a letter and then either mail it to me or email it to me or drop it off. I can I can give an address. And... Um, and then it's either just a letter or art. I'm also collecting some art just so we can put something in, in their rooms to brighten it up, cheer it up, 
So they're getting mail that's colorful, that's life-giving. I'm encouraging people not to write about COVID. Don't talk about the depressing things. Really writing a letter that just adds value, reminds them of their dignity and their worth. Many of these seniors have contributed for years and years. They made our communities what it, what it is. They've made our families. They've built the businesses that we are trying to, to keep alive right now. And they've added value to us. And I think it's super important that we take time now to add value back to them and remind them of the dignity they have and the value that they've created for us in this community. What's the response been, Carla Ann? How many letters and people have been helping you out so far? So I was counting letters last night. (laughs) Uh, I have what I'm going to call 90 completed packages. So that's a piece of art and a letter together. Uh, I've got 90 pieces completed, and then I have 186 incomplete pieces. So that's either uh, mostly art pieces. Um, either there, it's just a really short note that I'd like to add a little bit something more to, or it's a piece of art. I just want to make sure that everyone that gets something feels like they're getting something super valuable. And so I have an under 186 un, incomplete pieces. So we're getting close to reaching the numbers I need for two facilities. But ideally, I'd like to get closer to a thousand pieces of completed mail for each, so that more seniors in. I'm also getting lots of people saying, hey, could you send something to my grandma? Could you send something to my mom? And that's fantastic, too. That is something I'd like to include as well. Some people are in in facilities and different residences, and some are actually stuck at home. So either one, I'm trying to do my best, trying to do my part. How much time are you spending on this? (laughs) Well, the handwriting part takes long. When I'm doing my coloring pages, that takes long. Um, combining them I just make sure I go through the mail to make sure it's okay and um, a couple of uh, probably I don't know a couple of hours maybe an hour every day and then on the weekend it's more on the weekend I'm spending probably four hours a day um, so far well it's wonderful what you're doing taking your own time to for this initiative but it's nice to hear that other people are also helping out so once again before we let you go first of all thank you so much this is terrific and and if people do want to send something or get involved give us the name of your instagram account or facebook page carla ann if you could it's send underscore four no send underscore letters underscore four underscore the underscore lonely so send letters for the lonely but underscore between all the words and on Facebook, it's also Send Letters for the Lonely. And that would be great. Carla Ann Coroy joining us live on 680 CJOB to get as many letters to the lonely as possible. Thank you so much for the time. Very much appreciated. Thank you. And by the way, if you are on Instagram looking for the account, you don't have to type in those in, those underscores to find it. I just typed in Send Letters, and immediately it popped up, Send oh, Letters awesome. for the Lonely. Uh, and we are now following her. And we would love for you to follow us on 680CJOB's Instagram as well. It's just simply at 680CJOB. Much of the focus lately has been on supporting restaurants and small shops. What about businesses that simply can't offer any services at the moment? We spoke yesterday at length about board games, sitting around the table with our loved ones and having fun. But remember what it was like to go out to play when you could go somewhere and rip it up or in the case of the business we're about to speak to go out for a rip 
Yeah, that place is Speed World. Speed World, the indoor go-kart track at 575 Barry, And it has carts that go up to 50 kilometers per hour, uh, which is such a thrill. Unfortunately, right now, because of these restrictions, they can't operate as usual. But we wanted to chat about how potentially we can help out. Bridget Sawatsky is, of course, the Senior Operations Manager at Speed World and joins us now. Good morning, Bridget. Hi, good morning. How are you guys? We're pretty good, thank you. Thank you for asking. How are you? I, it's been a tough go, and I'm curious what the reaction was yesterday to the extension of these public health orders that will keep many businesses closed for the next few weeks at least. Well, it was a little bit disappointing, but not unexpected. Uh, looking at you know our daily reports that we're receiving from the doctor and uh, our premier, uh, but we are a little bit disappointed. But you know what? We're keeping things ready to go for when we do reopen, and we're very hopeful that uh, we will be open in January. Have you been able to take advantage of government financial help? Well, we've applied for all of the programs that are available and have been accepted into some of those programs, which is wonderful. And we're so grateful for any of the assistance that we have received. But of course, it doesn't make up for you know the losses of having our staff there and looking after all of uh, our staff that we consider family. And of course, all of our regular customers that we can't wait to welcome back again. Yeah, there's not just your staff you have to consider, Bridget. You know, there's the maintenance, I'm guessing, of, of the cars, and there's things in the building that you'd have to take care of. And then, of course, for a business like yourself, the go-kart track, I'm assuming you must have a lot of liability insurance that you're currently paying without the fact that anyone's using the track. So what's happening there? Yeah, we sure are. We did speak with our liability insurer. Unfortunately, they are unwilling to put that on hold. So we do continue paying for liability, even though we are closed been a little bit of a setback for us for sure um you know there are obviously lots of expenses when you've got a thirty thousand square foot facility but uh as i said we are trying to stay hopeful and uh really grateful for any of the support that we have received in the last uh few months from all of our customers so this is the second shutdown after the the spring you were able to reopen how is business uh, over the summer well, you know, it started out a little bit slow in June when people were a little concerned, I think, to come out and, you know, basically come out of their homes and have some fun again. But July and August were fantastic. Uh, even though we were only operating at 50% capacity, we had a regular stream of customers and it was so great to have people coming back, having fun, smiling and enjoying themselves. Yeah, the smiles. I'm, I'm curious what you miss the most right now. I mean, obviously, there's the financial hardship, Bridget, but going into a place like yours to even just stop and check in, uh, make phone calls, do your paperwork, you're, you're missing the mm. smiles on people's faces, but the sound, it must sound so quiet there right now. Yeah, it's a little eerie. I got to be honest, you go into the building and it's just silence. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I can't wait for us to be able to start those carts up again and get people in there and having fun and laughing. It was always great coming in, meeting my regular customers, you know, talking to the staff and finding out, you know, how their days are going. And just we really do operate as a family there. And we're a family Winnipeg-based business. And, uh, you know, we, we really can't wait to have people smiling and having fun again. Now, we can currently still support small businesses like restaurants and shops because they can still offer their products and we can pick them up curbside. Can people support your business somehow? Yeah, they can actually. We uh, went and created an online portal for websites or for gift card sales. So you can order gift cards from the comfort of your couch or from your office computer uh, directly online at speedworld.ca. Uh, buy your gift cards. They get delivered right to your email inbox. And of course, those never expire. It's been a little bit tough, I think, this year with people not knowing when we'll reopen. 
but I, I have had some support and tons of phone calls from our loyal customers uh, wishing us luck and getting their Christmas gift cards. I think it's worth pointing out again about the expiry date because that is sometimes the concern, right? With with some certificates that you'll get, you'll think, oh, well, we don't know when we might be able to use this again. But but you're saying that it can go net all next year or the following year? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been in Winnipeg for 16 years and we plan on being in Winnipeg for 16 more. And uh, we can guarantee that with everybody's help and support. Uh, that we can continue to operate in Winnipeg and just have, you know, everyone having a great time. Now, for anybody who's never been to Speed World, and I shamefully count myself among... What? I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we Well, and you invited the three of us out, and we, yeah, we just I never sure got... We, we haven't made the trip yet, so when okay. all is said and done, we will, the three of us, make it out to Speed World. But uh, what separates Speed World from uh, what we might think of as a traditional go-kart track, aside from the fact that you're indoors? Right. Well, of course, yes, we are indoors, uh, but a lot of things do separate us. Primarily, it's the speed of the cart. So our carts do race up to 50 kilometers per hour. And as avid race fans ourselves, my husband and I, uh, we really put a lot of emphasis on the actual racing in the carts and how it feels to go fast. And, you know, it's more like racing uh, than any other carts that we've ever raced in. And that's important to us that we have that competitive spirit at the track. Well, that's important to me, too. Before we let you go, if you had to put your money on Greg, Brett, or me, where would, you know, just who do you think would win that race? Well, Lorraine, I think it's going to be you, to be honest. <laughs> I, you know, and it's not... I led you right there, Bridget. for the girls. I'm going to give you some tips. You know, we're going to get together, maybe do a little practice runs before you guys come out. Because I want to see you, guys, you kick these guys' butt. Well, no, well, I, there would be no competition, Bridget, because I've been in the car while Loren has been driving. And I, too, <laughs> would suggest that Loren would be the winner by a mile. <laughs> uh, well, you know, then I, that's who I'm putting my money on right there. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Sort of. Sort of kidding here. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do now want to take them to task. So thank you, Bridget. Bridget Sawatsky with Speed World, 575 Barry. Their website, if you want to pick your, pick up a gift card, is speedworld.ca. Bridget, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And again, it's, a, it's an e-gift card, right? So you don't have to worry about carrying around a physical card. You can just email it to you. Then it's always on your phone if you want to take advantage of that. And again, like lots of businesses like this in the city of Winnipeg, we mentioned there are escape rooms. You know, our friends at Enigma Escapes. Uh, for me, something like the Golf Dome. Right. I mean, I can't go to the golf dome right now, but uh, for any, you know, maybe if my dad or sister are listening, that could yeah. be a gift card idea Ooh, as well. I like the hints you're dropping here. There's the trampoline parks, you know, the flying squirrels. There's all sorts of places that people just can't, you can't access them right now, but you will be able to someday. And those are all really good kids, families, adults love things to do, right? We're all going to want something, get the heck out of the house. Yeah, but speed, yeah, speed World, the, the idea of flying around a, a track at 50k, that sounds like a blast and can't wait till we can all do stuff like that again. <gasps> Plus you and Greg now have these longer flowing mains <laughs> for the wind. <laughs> we'll just... It's just going to be a bowl cut oh, by so the time great. we get down there. I just got to quickly read this text from Jesse Dick on the subject of Speed World because Jesse says Speed World is the only track around where to get a better lap time. You need to use the brake. That makes me think of Super Mario Kart. Jesse's right. You want to get the best lap time, you got to tap that brake so you can cut those corners. Otherwise, you take them too wide. Okay, now I have to get to Speed World because that is uh, as 
as good as an endorsement as one can give, I think. Uh, but we got to pick our winner, our qualifier for Wake Up Santa. This is a grand prize from Sleep Country. We want to give you the gift of sleep. And we've been asking you to text us your Santa disaster stories. And uh, yesterday we took some phone calls and we got a great story uh, from someone who tried to hide the gift that Santa had provided in the garage, thinking, ah, this person's never going to find it because they never go in there. But, of course, they, <laughs> they went into the garage this year and found the gift. But we have a, a runner-up text here, Loren, that I've pulled yes. uh, from Todd. So do you want to read it or do you want me I'll to read it? I'll go for it, sure. Okay. You, Todd writes, my Santa blender is something that I'm still very embarrassed about. I bought my fiancé something special for us, and it was about the same size of box for my mom's gift. I hid hers in the closet, wrapped my wife's. She sees the gifts and thinks it's one of them, the ones to bring to the families, and I didn't notice it was the same wrapping paper as mom's gift, so (laughs) I just thought I forgot to put the tag on. Needless to say... She was quite shocked, Mom was, when she opened the gift. Thankfully, she has a great sense of humor. I can't get into detail on what the gift was, but it was pretty embarrassing. And we, we vowed to Toby we wouldn't share with listeners what the gift was, but let's just say it was, it was intimate. <laughs> and he gave it to his mom. <laughs> well, we had that uh, the qualifier on Monday, similar situation uh, where the kids, I guess, were handing out gifts and the gift that was meant for this person's wife ended up in the hands of his aunt. And um, she described it, I think, out loud as a single serve drink mixer. Uh, because it was uh, it was a, an intimate little toy, shall we say? Yes, it was a toy. For and she kept it. And she kept it. That was the best <laughs> part of that story at the end when they were like, well, you can give that gift back. And she's like, oh, it would be rude. I want to try this sucker out. But this is our winner. We read this uh, last hour, but in case you're just tuning in, this is such a great story. One Christmas Eve, 40 plus years ago, Dad decided to prank us. He moved all the furniture and the tree, the gifts, etc. from the living room into the kitchen and closed the door. When we ran downstairs on Christmas morning, he was sitting in the middle of the empty room and stated, Santa robbed us! Dad thought it was so funny, but I don't really remember anything else from the rest of the day. Where was mom? Did we help move stuff back? Did we get off awesome gifts? I don't know. Maybe I blocked everything out because I was so traumatized. But years later, this person wishes they had their own kids so they could pull the same prank. Congratulations. You are qualified for Wake Up Santa, Sleep Country, Grand Prize, giving it away on Monday. Full details, cjob.com. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.